So welcome to the European Respiratory Journal podcast. My name is James Chalmers. I'm the Deputy Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal. Uh, and this, this month, it's our great pleasure to be joined by uh, David Lederer, who's Associate Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology at Columbia University, and also the Chief Editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society, to discuss a new publication in the Annals of ATS, which is a collaboration between the editors of the major respiratory sleep and critical care journals on the control of confounding and reporting of results in causal inference studies. Uh, David, welcome. Thanks, James. Happy to be here. So, David, can you give us the background to this very unique project? What was the problem you were trying to address with this publication? Happy to. Um, I took over as uh, chief editor of Annals of the American Thoracic Society in early 2017, uh, a job that I am I, I love and am, am very passionate about. Uh, and we get many submissions, as I'm sure ERJ does, of course. Uh, and going through new submissions, I was finding on many occasions that manuscripts that reported the results of observational studies and, and what I now call perhaps causal inference studies had methodology that varied widely. Some some studies were, were really well done, uh, excellent design, conduct, and reporting of results. But on the other extreme, we found studies with many different flaws, some of which were remediable and, and some that were not. Uh, and I realized that there really aren't strong guidelines available to kind of clinical researchers or even epidemiological researchers um, re regarding how to conduct causal inference studies. Lots of information out there, many publications, some fantastic books um, that, can, that can educate us, uh, but there's a huge knowledge gap. And so based on that, uh, I reached out to a number of editors initially of uh, respiratory journals, and this, James, occurred at a, uh, a meeting of the respiratory journal editors in May 2018 at the American Thoracic Society International Conference, and there was um, strong enthusiasm around the room to develop some kind of document to provide guidance back to authors on how to design and think about and report out observational causal inference studies. And so following that meeting, uh, I got together with you and uh, 33 others. So there were 35 editors of respiratory sleep and critical care journals. I apologize. There were 47 editors of 35 journals. We had two or more editors from some journals. Um, and over the course of just a few months, we quickly came to consensus um, on three key principles that we thought should guide authors, uh, as well as uh, providing some uh, you know, some, some explanation and uh, additional information for, for those authors. Yeah, I have to congratulate you on putting together this document, um, but also getting a consensus among the editors so quickly to go from uh, the first meeting in May to developing the recommendations and publishing them now. It's a really extraordinary effort. Um, so what were the main recommendations? So for, for authors who are listening to this podcast and uh, want to submit their papers to the ERJ or the annals, what are the main takeaway messages? Sure. Um, so there there were three key principles that we, we came up with. Uh, this was after much discussion and iterative process amongst uh, the editor, editor team. Uh, three key principles. Number one, causal inference studies require careful consideration of confounding. Number two, 
Interpretation of results should not rely on the magnitude of p-values. And number three, results should be presented in a granular and transparent fashion. And James, can I talk a little bit about each one? Is that okay? Please, please do, yes. Okay. So again, the first one is causal inference requires careful consideration of confounding. And I think one important thing is I would suspect that some of our listeners may not be perfectly familiar with the term causal inference. And and I know that we all, myself included, um, get a little bit excited or frustrated even when we hear the word causal in an observational study, or I might even say in any single one study. It's certainly hard to prove causation. Um, but causal inference is what we are all trying to do when we're testing associations between a risk factor or potential risk factor or an outcome. What we're trying to do is estimate the causal effect of an exposure on an outcome. These are, these are questions that we ask about etiology. Um, you know, does A cause B? Uh, in the paper, I say, does long-term exposure to traffic-related air pollution promote obstructive sleep apnea, or does caffeine intake protect against pulmonary arterial hypertension? So these are causal questions, and we can use observational studies to develop evidence. I think we'd all agree the evidence in ob- using observational studies is often not as strong as the evidence we would garner from an intervention study such as a randomized trial, but we can still get evidence, but the quality and rigor of that evidence depends on our methods. And and perhaps that's widely known, but it may be widely known, but it's not widely implemented. And the purpose of this document is to help clinical and epidemiological investigators think carefully through their study and make sure that when they have a hypothesis that is a hypothesis of causal inference, that they're approaching their study correctly. And we we came up with five methods uh, uh, used to control for confounding and causal inference or crystallized five out of the many that are used and essentially made recommendations that authors use one of two methods and avoid any of the three other methods. And, of course, these are all detailed in the paper, but in, in brief, the two pre- preferred methods are either to define confounders as has been done historically which is a variable associated with the exposure, a cause of the disease, and one that does not lie in the causal pathway, and that's illustrated in the paper. There are some figures there, uh, and I think many authors do that, and I, I find that that's fine, that's acceptable. Um, in fact, that's how I've conducted much of my research. Importantly, that that approach identify confounders not using any automated methods, but instead purposefully selecting variables or factors that might fit that definition of a confounder. And the second definition is a little bit more complex, and the paper goes into this in a little bit more detail, but it asks authors to consider using causal models and to use directed acyclic graphs, which are called DAGs, D-A-G, to help identify confounders to, to control for when they're doing their analysis. And Obviously, we can't get into to that. It's a huge uh, field, and we've tried to distill it into the, the in, into the key principles in the paper. Um, so I'd refer all the listeners to that paper. Briefly, the three methods that we recommend avoiding are any method that uses p-value selection methods, model-based selection methods, methods that rely on changes in beta coefficients in the model, 
or importantly, and I see this all the time, papers where we just throw a bunch of variables into the model and identify which ones are independent predictors. There's a lot of flaws to that methodology, and we detail that in the paper. Um, briefly, key principle two uh, is that we shouldn't rely on p-values to make inferences or interpret our results. We should look at the size of the effect estimates. We should look at the precision of that effect estimate, which is often a confidence interval or credible interval. Um, and I think we, we often try to take our results and turn them into a binary result. So we take this really rich confidence interval and effect estimate and lots of other information, and then we say it is or is not significant, or there is or is not an association. Um, and here we encourage authors to, uh, you know, to, to, to be a little bit less concrete about this. And then finally, the third principle is, is presentation of results. Um, there's a lot of variability in how folks present results. It's critical that we use the strobe statement, S-T-R-O-B-E, the strobe statement, including tables that are available in the explanation and elaboration document, which really beautifully show how we ought to be presenting results in tabular format. And then we also make four recommendations about figures uh, or visual um, you know, graphical presentation of data. Number one, present individual data points when possible. Number two, um, uh, maximize the data to ink ratio, meaning we should be able to present as much data as we can with the less, least amount of ink possible, extra lines and words, and they should just be removed. Uh, number three, avoid plunger plots. This means don't present continuous data in bar charts. Um, it's, a, it's a, I think, a major problem and it hides all the data. And then finally, something I learned th through this process is that we ought to be using colorblind friendly palettes, uh, and our journal is shifting to doing that. And so those, I think, are really nicely explain some of the things that we would like to see uh, authors at all of the major journals doing, uh, and hopefully authors of observational studies and causal inference studies will find these recommendations really useful in writing up their results. Um, one of the biggest problems, I guess, has been um, getting these ideas for how we can improve reporting implemented into, into practice. We still see a lot of papers being submitted with these limitations of methodology. What can journals like the ERJ and the Annals and the other uh, respiratory journals do to encourage better practice? Well, it is, it is a challenge, and I think we're going to continue to have that challenge. Um, some of the things we've done, uh, we've incorporated this information on our uh, instructions webpage for authors. Uh, we've, we've even moved a lot of content on methodology up to the top of our, our webpage. So when you land on it, one of the first things you see is go look at this causal inference paper. And the second thing is go look at the equator network and make sure you're using the correct uh, reporting statement. Uh, and then we do go into a little bit of detail, but I, we don't need to go into a lot of detail now because I can always refer authors back to the document, but, but it is there. So my hope is that, at the very least, uh, journals will begin to update their, um, their, their instructions page. Um, I also hope that journals um, might highlight this paper in their own journals, uh, point their authors to it um, in an editorial or some other type of piece. 
Um, and I, I, I welcome your thoughts too, James. I, I struggle in figuring out how to how to get it really on the radar of our authors. I've, I've seen it buzz around Twitter a little bit when it when it comes out, but certainly certainly that's uh, you know that's a small fraction of our audience. We are incorporating it a little bit into our um, decision letters, um, uh, trying to point authors back to this document and say, hey, make sure you're you're thinking through it in, in this way. Uh, do, you, do you have other thoughts about how we could do this? It's probably a team effort. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think you've made a really major step forward in in promoting this by publishing this this article um, and by engaging all of the major respiratory journals in this effort. So the European Respiratory Journal has now placed this document on our web page in the instructions to authors and, and are obviously highlighting it through this webcast and will uh, highlight it in other ways, including through our, our New Year editorial. Um, so I think it is a team effort and it needs to be a continuous process where we feed back to authors uh, about the, the best ways to present data and the best ways to um, conduct these kinds of causal inference studies. Uh, and I really want to congratulate you for uh, this project that I think is a major step forward uh, in improving the research methodology in this area. Um, David, thank you very much for joining us today uh, and for taking part in this ERJ webcast. Thanks, James. It was a pleasure.